Welcome to the UD. This is Factually Maybe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to your first day in the afterlife. You are all simply good people. But how do we know that you are good? How are we sure? on earth, every one of your actions had a positive or a negative value, depending on how much good or bad that action put into the universe. Death defines so much of our lives, it blends into the fabric of perception itself. Our worldview is almost entirely built around our awareness, our fear of it, our understanding of health, wealth, and especially our beliefs. In life after death, heaven and hell, and the existence of God. Our desire to be remembered by those we love or leaving behind something resembling an inspiring legacy. When faced with reminders of death, these choices are more often than not exacerbated. And this leads to some of our most consequential decisions, for better and worse. The idea of death, the fear of it, hounds the human animal like nothing else. Humans are the only animal capable of conceptual thought. That's allowed us to climb to the top of the food chain, invent the wheel, and build massive concrete jungles. It has allowed for the creation of systems of government, economy, education, and military. Humans have evolved past procreation as a survival necessity and inserted emotion and pleasure into the equation. It's also given way to ugliness in how our society functions. Racism, sexism, homophobia, and of course, capitalism. And in our capacity for conceptual thought, death has firmly attached itself to the foundation for intense retention of each unique worldview, which circles back to a single concept, our mortality. The Good Place and Dan share a common starting point, the death of their main protagonist. They also share the importance of choice, bigger choices like a moral philosophy to subscribe to, but also the smaller decisions that help support that larger choice. However, they both also highlight the larger implications of each choice, the unintended consequences or undesired outcomes, and lurking just beneath the surface, the traps of existentialism. Why did you title the album Damn? It was so many different ways you could put it in my head. It was like from the concept, damn if I do, damn if I don't. Mm. Um, the, the loudness of the record. Scream damn. In the 2017 album Damn, Kendrick travels a road with turns both triumphant and defeated, trusting and paranoid, full of hope and giving into nihilism, all underlined by uncertainty in the existence of God and the decision to commit to a leap of faith, out of the path of wickedness into a path of weakness, one better aligned with his understanding of God's will. That same will that in fear, the standout track that details the thesis for the entire project, implies that even if Kendrick were to follow his word and commit to a life of good, of God, he will still be subjected to a literal lifetime of pain and suffering, of seeing injustice in the world, one exclusive to people of color, the true sons of Israel. 
The game is, going by the text, to accept the punishment, to follow his command, to witness an increasingly corrupted world, all as a gamble on the existence of God and heaven. It brings to mind the teachings of Blaise Pascal, specifically Pascal's Wager, which proposes the argument for believing, or at least leaning towards believe, in God. In short, reason and intellect can't decide whether God exists or not, so it makes sense to choose the option that would benefit you, if you're correct. In the absence of concrete evidence, a pragmatic theology fills the void. Yes, there might not be a heaven, but what if there is? Should you not work towards getting there? Pascal's wager works on a blind bet. If there's even the slightest chance that God exists and you chose not to believe, hell awaits. Throughout Dan, we see Kendrick go through bouts of doubts, affirmation, temptation, redemption, all in an attempt to make sense of it all. But like Pascal suggested, it is through what is at first self-interested reasons for walking the right path that it can turn into an honest conviction, habituation as salvation. But going back to fear, we find the questions at the heart of Dan. If God exists, why would he allow so much suffering in Kendrick's life and in the world? To what reasonable end? Because of some mysterious command leading to some elusive truth? It borders on narcissism, if not outright cruelty. It's hard not to think of the Euthyphro problem. Is something good because God commands it, or does he command it because it is good? You, Eleanor Shellstrop, are dead. Cool. Eleanor is dead. That's the bad news. The good news is that, hey, she's in heaven. She learns how this eternal bliss works and who its inhabitants are, but then it dawns on her. I'm not supposed to be here. She made it to the good place through what she feels is a glitch in the system and decides she can either turn herself in or try to earn her place there. She enlists the help of Chidi, a moral philosophy professor who reluctantly agrees to help her due to of course, his strict code of ethics. The good place builds on the premise that you can become a better person by learning all about philosophy. So the show centers its plots and characters from the three main theories of moral philosophy. Consequentialism, actions must prioritize outcomes. Deontology, actions prioritize motives. And virtue ethics, the practice of virtuous actions. These are the paths to becoming a truly good person. Choose your ethics. The game-changing plot at the end of season 1 is what really drives the true premise of the show. They were in the bad place all along, and Michael, who welcomed Eleanor into the good place, is the demon architect behind all of it. Where originally Eleanor and the rest were attempting to earn the right to stay in the fake good place, now it becomes a question of whether they ever had a chance at making it to the real good place. By season 3, the show has arrived at a truly existential dilemma and a haunting revelation. It has been centuries since anyone has gotten to the good place. As humanity has evolved and society become more complex, the moral gray area has become simply too big to maneuver out of. A rigid point system is outdated and has become too unreliable for modern society. But more importantly, Michael, now a part of the team, begins to understand the real flaw in the system. The misconception that we each have to do it all on our own. In modern society, it becomes less about achieving true morality alone, but doing it together. The question is not what can you do so you can be a good person, but what everyone can pitch in so we can all be better together. 
what your impact is in your community and society, what we owe each other. In both The Good Place and Damned, existentialism is the driving force of the narrative. The search for answers in a world devoid of them, making sense of senselessness, and the constant question of the point of it all, with death lurking perpetually. And in both, a clear verdict is as difficult to reach as it is in our own lives, but they do try to reach for what could be considered answers. More importantly, they both have a built-in narrative device that allows our protagonists a chance at redemption at second chances. Life in the simplest terms is about balance. It is as much about the motives behind your choices as well as the consequences that follow. And whether you believe in an afterlife or not, at the deepest level, the actions you take, the choices you make, and moral theory you subscribe to are inevitably about what life looks like after death. Reaching the good place by following your religious practice being remembered by those who know you and beyond, whether through your profession, charity, or impact on your community. But the question of what is a good life can be way simpler. You're supposed to do good things because you're good, not because you're seeking moral desert. What happens when we die is simply not about us as individuals. Keanu Reeves, clearly an immortal being with an entire lifetime of love, pain, and wisdom, some this up in the most heartbreaking or heartwarming way, depending on how you perceive it. What do you think happens when we die? I know that the ones who love us will miss us. And that's just it. Death happens whether we like it or not, but it's bigger than us. Socrates believed death should be nothing to fear, as we simply don't know what it is, really. For Socrates, death could be a dreamless sleep that we won't wake up from or a passage to a different plane of existence, an afterlife. But in the absence of knowing what lies behind the end of our lives, we should in turn focus our concerns and efforts towards everything that precedes it. While existentialism is often linked to, well, existential crises, it can also mean something much more open. Death persists, so what is the point of living? Where is the meaning? For someone like Albert Camus, the lack of a clear answer is the answer. We make our own meaning. We define what a good life means to us. It could mean a commitment to selfishness or selflessness, growth or decay, wickedness or weakness. But the important thing to remember is that the choices we make, the actions we take, and how we value our morality ripples out into your immediate and extended circles. So if you want to be a virtuous person, a good person, consider that you want to be good because you want your family, friends, colleagues to be good people. Yes, this does mean working on a deep, almost subconscious level of trust in one another and a belief that everyone knows how to be good even if they don't know it themselves. It could even mean that there is a higher power that instilled in us these instincts of virtue, this moral compass. Yes, you can call it faith. And you can immerse yourself in every philosophical theory of morality or dedicate your life to a religious practice, but at the end of the day, true virtue, true morality is achieved at a much deeper, more human level. It is knowing what the rules of a society are, but also how you feel about them. It is the realization that we are not alone in this. The value of our virtue is measured by consequences and actions. It is realized in our relationships, in the search of happiness, 
in the pursuit of mindfulness and the desire to see the world as we would like it to see us, and in doing what you do, leaving the world a little better than how you found it. It is about doing the right thing, not for the guarantee of some reward or surveillance from a higher being, but because life is hard enough as it is. Life sucks for everyone on some level, so why not try to make it suck less together? Thanks for your time. Like if you like, share if you care, and subscribe if you'd like more content like this in the future. We are the UD, and this has been Factually Maybe?